Hello everyone, my name is Daniela Lake and this is Life Told by a Stranger. Life Told by a Stranger is a podcast where we hear about the different backgrounds, experiences, hardships, and dreams of people from all walks of life. Our guest today is an old friend, Patty Kelsey. You may remember her from our special Halloween episode, or you may remember her husband, Norman Kelsey, from the episode, Michael Jackson Shook My Hand. Well, today we're going to be hearing more about Patty's life. I was born in Culver City, California in 1970. My parents had, they got married in Thailand in 1969 and they flew to America as their wedding present. So my parents had me here and literally my parents told me the story of coming to the United States with $600 in their pocket. In the 70s, it was kind of a lot. Okay. And they found an apartment near a hospital where my mother could get a job, Mm -hmm. which was the emergency room nurse at George Washington Hospital in Culver City. So they found a little apartment and they bought one pillow, a pack of chicken and salt. Patty's family did a lot of moving when she was younger. Her parents only lived in that apartment until she was around seven weeks old. Then they lived in New York for a few years and then back to the West Coast. But then they made another big move, this time to Thailand. I remember it was such a different environment than America. I remember going to a private Catholic school and being the only American kid in a tight all-girls school. All uniforms, you had to have all your hair cut really short. I just remember my mom, though, at that time, there was just a lot of cultural differences and frustrations where they took me and just chopped my hair off without asking her, or they would give everybody shots without asking parents. We lived there only 10 months and my parents couldn't take it anymore. Like they bought a house and they said, we just don't see opportunity for our daughter. And I remember different things in Thailand. I remember learning how to ride a bike. I remember school. I remember the really mean nuns and then flying back over to California. And then I really, when I think of childhood really starting, it was when we moved to Corona. I felt really at peace with everything all the time. I felt like life was always good and awesome. Tell us a little bit about what you do day to day. At the okay. church. Well, my position is called Director of Program Ministries. I kind of call it the fancy church term for being an event planner. <laughs> and I came from doing event planning on a corporate scale for Universal City Walk. It's basically similar to that, but with Jesus. You're not just doing an outdoor movie night, although it is something fun like that. Maybe there is a special Bible study or just a celebration of life. So it can be anything on that spectrum for Mm -hmm. church life. I never even knew that it was possible until it fell into my lap. God gifts you with things. and Yeah. It's like a a hidden gem job, Mm kind of. It really is because I think with any job, you're going to have situations where someone's driving you crazy. Mm -hmm. And some people would think, oh, you're at a church, and none of those things would happen. They happen everywhere. (laughs) And what it's taught me is, you know, I used to think, oh, that was just at that job, and that was because maybe that person wasn't fun to work with, or they weren't a good boss, or, but that's not the case. It's people. It's working with different personalities. So I think the gift of working at a church is it teaches me how to get along in the world and to understand that 
you have to know how to work with people in all walks of life because yeah. if it happens at church, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Because you think, oh, you're safe here. It's, it's just dealing with people. If you were to write an autobiography, what is one story you'd have to include? I have one story that has to do with my father and his family. My dad comes from a really large family. I know that my dad had two older brothers and a younger brother, one older sister, one younger sister. So he's in the middle. I remember grandma and grandpa, and I remember the nanny. Okay. And it was a really wonderful, close-knit family, but I always felt like I, I was kind of nervous around grandma and grandpa you know like there was pressure because they were very quiet but I always remember the nanny doting on me and having the greatest time with her and feeling like close to her you know and having lots of fun with her and years down the road I remember my grandfather passing away and my dad being pretty devastated and he went off to the funeral in Thailand and I didn't go a couple years later grandma passes away I'm in college And my dad flies off to Thailand with my mother for the funeral. In Thailand, they can take up to a week. There's monks and chanting, always some different ceremony. Yeah. And before they cremate the body, and they cremate there. Oh, okay. I ended up getting a call. And back then, getting a call in Thailand was very, very, very difficult. Because this is early 90s, so it was still kind of difficult. It was a big call. And my mom goes, I have so much to share with you. And your dad and I have a lot to tell you. And I said, okay. And she goes, a lot to tell you. And I said, do you want to tell me now? And she goes, oh. And she told me a little. She said we were driving after one of the funeral services because it's every day for seven days. Mm-hmm. And he, we're in a van with all the brothers, the siblings. And one of them says, well, should we tell him already? Mm-hmm. And somebody said, no, you shouldn't tell him. We promise. And he said, tell me what? And they said, our mother is not your mother. What? And they said, didn't you ever notice that your birth date couldn't have happened? You were in the middle of all of us, but there's no way that mom could have had you. Because so-and-so was born on this date, and seven months later, you were born. Oh. How could could you be her child? Whoa. And my dad was stunned and just... My mom said it was shocking, and I said, who's his mom? And my mom said, the nanny. What? And I cried because I felt like she was my grandma the whole time. Because she was your grandma. (laughs) I could cry thinking about it. (laughs) So the story was deep. He ended up going. He said, you need to drive me. And her name, the nickname was Wee, and they called her Bawi, which means like Auntie Wee. And I would always call her Bawi too. And so he gets driven to the house and she's crying and saying, no, no, no. She knew he knew mm-hmm. and she wouldn't let him in the house. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm coming in. And he wanted to go in her room and she says, no, and she's blocking the door. And they go into the room and every photo in her bedroom was a photo of our family and her in the background. He ended up finding out the story. And so of course, my grandmother, Mm -hmm. actual grandmother, was the lady in waiting for my grandmother. She's still my grandmother, Mm -hmm. even though we're not blood. Yeah. But 
She's a very wealthy Chinese woman and they would have ladies in waiting. So a servant, not the nanny was a servant and she came to her when she was a teenager and served her, cleaned her room, cleaned her clothes, dressed her like, I mean, like Downton Abbey, but for Asian people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when she got married, she took her lady waiting with her. And apparently the setup was she slept on the floor of their bedroom. When my grandma, not Mm -hmm. biological grandma, she was pregnant well, Grandpa wanted to mess around. Wow. I know you're young, but this is real life. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to mess around, and the nanny's right there. And apparently she was really cute, young and cute, and things happened, mm-hmm. and she got pregnant. And she loved my grandmother and felt so devastated and was terrified she'd be kicked out on the street. The grandmother cr- told her they cried a lot, and she said, I love you like my sister, and I love my husband, so I don't want to kick you out on the street and you'll have nothing because this is his, still his child and I love you. So I will raise your son to be my own, but we're not allowed to tell anybody and you're not allowed to claim that you're his mother wow. and I'll take care of all of both of you. And my dad told me his whole life that his nanny would teach him to cook. My dad was the best cook. And that's one of the memories that I have and hold of him. Like when I miss him, I cook with his pot and his spatula. She taught him how to cook. She taught him how to clean. She taught him how to be a really good man and loved him to death, was really supportive. His dad was always not supportive of things he wanted to do. His mom, so-so. He never knew why. Why couldn't he get past? Like, why were they always giving him kind of a tough time? I think every time she looked at him, she saw the affair. I always wondered why it seemed like my grandma was standoffish to me. And I remember one specific visit where I was standing there and we had to line up and all the grandkids were going to get a gift from grandmother. And she says something to them and she hands them a gift. And I'm this little ragamuffin wild. I love dancing <laughs> and I was crazy and my hair was everywhere and everybody was all prim and proper. And they all got their gifts and got their hugs and she was smiling and I was last. And I remember walking up and she, her face changed and I didn't know why, but you know, when you feel it and I said, what it, I don't think she likes me. And it all like, I went, dad, that explains how come she never treated me And my dad goes, it was the same with me too. She loved us, but it was pain for her. So my dad immediately invited my grandma to come live with us. And she lived with us for three months out of the year. Real grandma. Uh And so we took care of her until she was too sick to travel. So we have lots of good pictures from the times when we had her live with us. And we tried Mm -hmm. to make up for lost time. But I think in an autobiography, somehow that has to make it in. Wow. That's an amazing story. So, what do you value the most in a person? Someone that you can really count on. I feel like you can't be friends with someone that's flaky. It's difficult. Very. And I've found the most important thing in my life are people that you can count on. And I don't know if there's a a good single word for that. You might know more because you're young and in school and bright. Mm, Like reliable? Someone who's reliable? But it's more than reliability. And more than loyalty. It's not like you need to be loyal to me, (laughs) but it's that do anything for you at any time that you can count on them and, and vice versa. I found that that's probably the most valuable thing I've ever come across, especially in these last few years where I've really needed help. The ones that show up, like it makes friendship 
a different level of friendship. Yeah, you it really get people does. that are nice to you and your acquaintances and friendly. You love them, but then there are these people you're just like they're beyond. It's the ones that. Oh man, they're there for you and like will sit with you all night in the emergency room. Yeah, when things are bad and then they're there. Putting aside money, fear, and insecurity, what is one thing you would love to do if there were no stakes and you had all the freedom in the world? Do I tell you one that's a little bit more serious or the one that's a little bit more? Difficult. Tell you the heavier one and tell you the lighter one. Okay. Which one do you want first? The heavier one. Heavier one. <laughs> I think. I know, and I've tried to do this multiple times, but again, money, time, all these things kind of get in my way with this. I want to go back to school to become a nurse. Oh, wow. Or a doctor, something in the medical field. It's something that I wanted to do when I was younger, but I didn't have my stuff together. And I was going to school with the pre-med thing. I was trying to go that route and I wasn't mature enough. I think I started school too soon and I didn't get it done. And had I gone a little later, I think I would have been able to do those things. In the end, I'm really naturally gifted when it comes to anything medical, whether it's for my family or myself. And I especially knew it when my dad ended up in hospice and I had to care for him and he was dying. And he said, oh man, you should have been a nurse. And I go, dad, I know. But it just, I've gone to find out how I can do it. And it always seems so overwhelming. And then I would have people that I looked up to that were nurses that would have kids. And I'm like, how did they go to school and do it with children? And they said, you can do it. Focus on it. You can do it. But somehow I've always stopped. I really love caring for people. So I think it's that gift of spiritual gift of servanthood. And then the other thing is more fun. Okay. (laughs) I would do improv. I love comedy. I love (laughs) improv. I love going to shows, look up the groundlings and I'd look up these classes and I'd go, Uh, I'm so scared and I don't want to say it out loud because then I'll have to try it. Yeah. But it scares me to death. Improv. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I probably could think of more, but those are the top two right now. Wow. Yeah. What is the greatest piece of advice you have to offer? Just one piece of advice. I believe that you have to celebrate moments in life and don't let those moments pass you by. That ties in with gratitude, living with an attitude of gratitude. I found that living... And being joyous and looking at everything, even the scary things and the, and the things that don't go your way and the negative things, those are all, you could even make those positives and be grateful for it so that they're your teacher. Some people, I think, let these moments pass by. It's like, whatever, it's no big deal. Or they don't see that sunny side of the street. They don't yeah. see the silver lining and have that celebrational living your life with gratitude and celebrating every moment and not let it pass you by. Because life's short. It is short. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode of Life Told by a Stranger. I always love talking to Patty because she has so many good stories and she's such a good storyteller. And Patty was actually one of the first people I interviewed for the podcast two years ago. And I had interviewed her as practice. And no matter how many times I hear the story about her father and his mother, I'm still so shocked. Follow us on Instagram at Life Told by a Stranger and stay tuned for next week Monday's new episode. 